Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Photographic Collective Podcast. My name is Jared. I'm here with my good friend, Miles, and we have a very, very special guest. So special that this is the second time we've had her on our podcast, and her name is Allison Conklin. Uh, If you've never heard of Allison, uh, you are in for a serious treat today, because when we had her on in the first season of this podcast, her life looked completely different, and we're going to get to hear today um, what it looks like now, and uh, you're going to walk away with some really um, great advice and just great perspective. Uh, Miles, tell us a little bit more about Allison. Dude, how do I even sum up Allison Conklin? Listeners, you guys are going to hear probably even a different side of me here. Allison is a dear friend, but what she's been through in the last year uh, from having to face uh, total heart failure and actually dying, having a heart transplant, uh, coming back from that experience, um, just a different human in general, but then finding the camera back in her hands and, and just a renewed passion for, uh, for her craft as a wedding photographer. Everything that we're about to go through today, man, it just tugs at your humanity. And so I would challenge you, whether you're listening to this podcast, you know, in the, in, in the office or on the road uh, or during a jog, whatever you're doing, I would challenge you to try and be present and really soak this up. There's some things that are going to be said in today's podcast uh, that I think are really going to hit. And so without going too deep and going too far into it, uh, we're just going to switch right over and get after it. Allison, um, the, the last time that we recorded this, you quite literally were living a different life. Actually, I don't say that in like the Kardashian term of literally. I mean, you actually quite literally had a different heart beating in your chest at that point. And we talked so much about photography and your dreams and the way that like you bonded with your dad over developing negatives of your mom after she passed pretty unexpectedly. Coincidentally, also of heart failure, right? And it was all of these things that like compounded and built this beautiful storyline where you were able to share this perspective on, on your art, like you as an artist. And then, then the world kind of happened and your, your heart, so we, we already knew at that point, am I right? We already knew your heart was kind of on its way down. Yeah, I mean, I, so I was diagnosed at 13 with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, um, which is if you are following, if you follow sports, uh, or remember any stories of a basketball player just collapsing on the field um, and dying? Same, same disease. Um, usually, the is first it where symptom. your heart is too big. Yeah, my heart was too is big. It okay. So okay. the sept, like your heart is in four chambers, and there's a septum that's you know runs vertically down the middle. Mm. My septum was like way too big. So if you imagine like the room that you're in, and you suddenly are putting bricks on the walls, and everything is closing in like that's my heart and there's just no room Mm. for blood. And so it's just not beating properly and the blood's just not getting where it needs to be. Um, so I was diagnosed in uh, 94 at 1994 when I was 13. Don't do the math on how old I am. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, and then my mom died five months later of the same genetic heart disease. And, uh, that's sort of where that story began. Mm. Um, and I always just in, thought that I would also die at 42. And essentially Mm. I did. You did. Yeah. I did. Wild. Okay. So 
Yeah, you just you just teased this whole thing out perfectly because <laughs> I, the, well, here's the reason I wanted to have you on, aside from the fact that we just haven't had a chance to chat in in a while, and I just I miss that. Um, and guys, listeners, like this isn't you, you probably can even hear like a different tone in my voice than normal. Allison is a dear friend, like a a a dear friend of mine, but also as somebody who's been you know, like in my prayers for years at this point because mm-hmm. of this whole thing. But I, what blows my mind is this conversation that you and I had. So I'm going to bring it up and then we're going to go from here. But this conversation that you and I had at the Fujifilm Summit a little over a year ago or a year ago or ish, I don't know. Um, we're sitting in New York and we finally had snuck away from everybody and you had found me good coffee. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> you weren't even drinking coffee because your heart, but you had, I was right. complaining about how bad the coffee was and you had found me good coffee and we walked uh-huh. a couple of blocks and I could tell you weren't feeling really great. And we were sitting, we were just kind of chatting and I, and I get this opportunity to finally say like, hey, how are you? Not like, how are you with all these new cameras coming out and new gear and new exciting things? And but like, how are you? And tears totally fill up in your eyes and you said something that was pivotal. It was, it, it was important to me, but you said, I feel so fake because I want to be excited about all this stuff. And I am excited about all this stuff, but like, I don't even know if I'll be a photographer in six months or in a year. I don't know if I'll even have a chance to hold these cameras or use this stuff. And yet here I am like, helping parade all this stuff around and not for nothing, but also being paraded around as a part of the show. Mm. And it, I walked away from summit that, that whole experience. Uh, it just changed the way I even look at my own relationship with, with our sponsors and with, you know, like just the perspective that you had of how fleeting all of this can be. Uh, it was pretty powerful. So I wanted to have you back on here today to talk to you about, what the backside of that perspective mm. looks like. Because now you are shooting again and you do have these new cameras in your hand and people are begging for your art again. Um, but you had to go through quite a bit to get there. So, so I want to hear about all of it. So, okay, so you, you checked into the hospital and then just pick us up from there. Yeah, so... Um... I was basically told, listen, you don't have time. You need a heart transplant if you want to live, right? Like, um, and so I was going through the listing process, which is a lot. And um, on October 10th, I was put into the hospital at um, NYU and finished the listing process. And in three days, I waited for a heart. And I got a heart in three days, which is like unheard of. Um, I mean, I was prepared. What, what is that? Pro- what is that process like? What? How do you get on the list? Right. I mean, it is no joke. You, first of all, they need to make sure there's nothing else going on, right? If you've had cancer in the past yeah. five years, you can't get a heart. If you, if they find something else wrong, you can't get a heart because, you know, in the moment you're like, what? Do you, why? Why do we have all these parameters? And I didn't understand like why I needed to like jump all these hurdles. But now on the other end of it, you're like your body, like my body has just gone through the ringer. So like, yeah, you need to be as healthy as one can be needing a new heart. Um, and so that's what we, uh, 
so I did all the things. It was like a bunch of testing, so much blood work, um, so many tests all over the place. And then finally at the end, they were like, okay, there's a few things we still need to do. I had a brain tumor, um, like 10 years previously, they needed to like make sure that was definitely not on the table anymore and finish all of that once they completed all of it. And then they were like, okay, we're going to officially list you. Um, at that point I was like, I could be waiting, you know, they, they would say like four weeks or it could be, I was in the hospital doing rounds, like walking around, um, with other people. And I'd be like, how long are you been waiting here? And they were like, we've been waiting here for years. And, um, you know, and I was like, okay, so I literally have no idea how long this is going to be. Um, and then day three of being officially on the list, I did list at level two, there's different levels, level one, you almost don't want to be at because you're so sick. They don't know if you'd survive the, the surgery. Um, and I listed at level two. So I was really high up there. And, um, he, I remember I was doing my rounds. I was walking around cause I was trying to be as active as I could be. And, the doctor was like, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? And I was like, uh, sure. Like, am I in trouble? <laughs> am I being pulled into the principal's office? Like it doesn't cross my mind that I'm going to be told that they have a donor, but he was like, Hey, how do you feel about, um, a donor that has COVID? And I was like, I, I never thought about that. I was, I don't know anything about this stuff. You guys are the, the professionals. So if you're saying it's safe for me, then like, I'm okay with it. Cause there's different things. You can have a heart that has hepatitis and they can annihilate that through medications. And like, there's just all these different things that you don't think of and you don't know of if you're not within this journey. And I'm totally rambling about this and I hope it's not too boring, but, (laughs) um, I was like, I trust whatever. And he was like, well, your name keeps popping up. We have a heart that we feel would be a great match for you. And, um, we have a donor for you. And I, and all we knew that he was a man and um, he was in his thirties and I'm a boy mom of a 20 year old and a 19 year old. And I remember just like losing it because I was like, this is somebody's son. This is, I, you know, I, this is, is this someone that was like loved by like how much I love my kids. Like there's just all of these emotions. And, um, and then it just goes into action. And then suddenly you're like, you're, everybody's coming in your room. You're being, you're having all these blood tests. You're being tested for COVID to make sure you're not sick. You're, you know, you're like, okay, you're having surgery. And they're like, you're going to have surgery at 3 a.m. the next day. Um, so call your family. And um, I don't live in New York. So I called my husband and, um, and he was like, okay. And he got the kids and got in the car and drove to see me. At that point, we thought that that would be the last time I would see them before surgery. Um, I think it was like almost like 10 p.m. by the time he got to me, um, by the time the three of them got to me. And, you know, I just remember sitting there like, this is so crazy because like, I may not survive it, but I, I could totally survive it. My life would be different. Um, and I remember hugging everybody for the last time. Um it ended up being being pushed the surgery to like 3 p.m. rather than 3 a.m. So I was able to oh see my, my husband. Gosh. I know. So like, and I was like, this is not because there's so many things that could go wrong. Even though they tell you we have a donor, we have a heart. There, it could have been damaged on the way there. It could have, you know, they could have realized that my blood and his blood aren't going to mix. There's so many scenarios that they were like, we have a heart for you. We think it's going to be great, but also 10 percent know that this might not happen. So like as each hour goes by, I'm getting more anxious. Like, is this not happening? Um, and then you're like, well, I have to trust that if it's not going to happen, it's not the right heart. You know, this whole thing, you play the mind game. Um, so 
Fun fact, though, when they did wheel me back for surgery, I had made such good friends. So I had been in the sur- I had been in the hospital since the tenth of October, and my surgery was the eighteenth. Um, I had made friends with everybody on the. My nurses were amazing. Yeah, they wheeled me <laughs> in awesome. with. Yeah, they they came into my room with a stretcher to take me into um, the operating room, playing the song. Uh, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Nice. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I mean, like as one does, right? Why not? Yeah. Um, And then they put the Rocky song on because I was like, it needs to be Rocky. But so we did that. We did a little dance. They danced me right into the operating room. And um, the rest is sort of history. I did talk about Fujifilm. That was the last thing I talked about before I went under because the anesthesiologist, (laughs) (laughs) because I had pictures everywhere because I had packed to be there for a while. And I had got my 100. I know Mm -hmm. we just love our brands and um I had my 100v with me and the the anesthesiologist when he had come in earlier that day to get me a sign off and everything he's like oh you like cameras and I was like yeah I love Fujifilm he's like oh I have um he had an x-pro he had an x-pro too I think and so we were talking about that and then when we were in the when I was actually in the operating room being like prepped for surgery people are like running around making sure everything's you know ready to go we're talking about Fujifilm. And then when he came to see me post-surgery, he was like, do you know the last thing you said was like how much you love Fujifilm and then you fell asleep? I was like, this feels right. This feels like, <laughs> this feels like my vibe. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man. I mean, that, okay. Anybody that's listening that has made it this far doesn't have actual chills. Because... I just, I, I adore this story so much. I've kept so I've kept up with it so closely. Um, you, you just said you danced into the, I can't even imagine. I honestly, I can't even fathom, but you, you, so you, you, you make it in there and just the emotional strain of knowing like, you know, there's, there's a chance. It's not, not just that this is a healthy heart or this is a good fit or this is a whatever, but there's a chance that you don't wake up. Obviously there's a chance for that in every surgery, clearly, but this one feels a little bit more exaggerated by the fact that they're taking your heart out of your chest. But, but then on the back end, I mean, just watching you recover from this, watching you have to figure out what it's like to let somebody else's heart literally be in your chest. Um, like so talk me we're gonna get back to your work because y'all that are listening just keep listening for god's sakes don't close this out (laughs) but also go look up allison's work because you're you let me jump and just say it i mean you you've had the cover of martha stewart weddings you've been voted the best of the best photographer in the world ever to breathe ever (laughs) i mean but you are you're like the you're like the mother goose of wedding photographers. I don't know. We all just sort of look to you like, what's the next nursery rhyme Allison's going to write? And then we'll all follow suit. But so what does it look like for you then to, um, to come out of surgery and have to put all of that to the side completely and just focus on like a day at a time. Right. I mean, and as we know, if you're a wedding photographer and as you both know, like I missed the entire fall season. Um, Mm. which was is very hard, right? We take our jobs very seriously. And, um, okay, so, like, let's move beyond that because that is just, it's hard. So I'm coming out of surgery. I had had open-heart surgery five years prior, and so I was thinking, I totally got this. This is going to be like that, and it's going to be, I know what to expect. 
Couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> Couldn't have been more wrong. If this was like a totally different animal, a completely different beast, I had to relearn how to walk. Um, mm. It wasn't until about what is we're in May, in March, I learned how to sit and stand on my own. Um, meaning, if I was sitting, I could not get up without help. Um, and that was like two months ago. Uh, and that was after 36 sessions of cardiac rehab and three months of physical therapy. Um, so it is, it's a battle every day. Um, you know, immediately coming out of surgery, I, I remember waking up, you're incubated. It's that was just like horrible. Um, for me, it was horrible. Uh, I remember that I woke up and it was like the, the next day and there was a nurse like holding my hand because every time it would like breathe for you, it feels like you can't breathe. And so it's just mm. the whole thing. But like, I didn't actually start feeling like myself for a while. Um, I did, once I started picking up my camera, like my X100V, then I would start taking pictures of like what my day looked like. I was starting to be like, okay, I'm a little bit of myself again, which sounds weird, I guess, but I didn't recognize I didn't recognize what I looked like on the outside and I didn't recognize what I looked like, what I felt like on the inside. Um, my heart wasn't loud anymore. It didn't feel like a labored beat. I didn't recognize that. I've had the same heart for 42 years. Like, wow. you know, like, and my body was changing um, beyond the scars and the black and blue marks and all of that stuff. Like I ended up losing a bunch of weight, um, because medications taste terrible and all mm. of this, you know, make everything taste bad, like food wise and food just wasn't a thing. Mm. And so it just, it, and I think I'm still working on that, like figuring out who I am now. Um, but it, I get a sense of that as we, as time marches forward. Um, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, oh, it totally makes sense. I showed right before we jumped on this call house and I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I was telling my boys, because they've fought, both of my sons have followed along with this whole thing. Um, we've just talked a lot about you. And so I was showing them a picture of you from the week that we met at PPE in 2019 or something like that. And yeah. then um, that beautiful photo shoot that you just did in the floral dress. And I showed him, I said, I said, you know, so this was her just a few years ago and this is her now. And my youngest son, my seven-year-old goes, wait, that's the same girl? <laughs> and it was funny to me because I, I was like, only technically. <laughs> yep. You know? Yeah. Yes. Because it just, so it's a very strange feeling because it's just, my core values are still the same, but they're, they're even more heightened. I've never... I mean, you know me, you know that I, I take everything. Um, I'm so grateful for everything, but now it's times a bazillion. Has that been the biggest shift for you? Just I think so. Thankfulness? Yeah. I mean, it's thankfulness. It's, I look at every day. Like, today is 225 days since my, my transplant, and I, I call them bonus days. Bonus day 225, you know, and I don't ever see myself not counting down because it's just like such a blessing. Um and like watching, just watching all the little things, like, you know, I've talked about it, like being able to sit next to my kid when he got bought his first car, like how lucky am I? I remember like, like my mom never made it to any of my, didn't make it to my high school graduation. Like being able to be there for my kid's graduation was huge. Um, 
And now I can like even think about being seeing things further out of my own boys' lives and not feeling like that little voice that says, you're not going to be here for that. Um, so it's just, it's, yeah, it's such a beautiful thing to be given the second chance. Um, doesn't mean it's easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, but I just am so grateful. So grateful to be sitting here with you two chatting about it. Right. I mean, like it's a miracle, all these little things that happen and everybody, I mean, that you don't think about is a miracle. <laughs> it is. So I told you, Jared, buckle up. Buddy. <laughs> no, I mean, just hearing you, just hearing you talking, like, it makes me think like, talk about this like attitude of like gratefulness and it's like man like we we should all be living this way you know like isn't it isn't that like the best way to live like right. for you to be like taking every day and being so grateful for it like what does it look like for me to walk into every day being thankful for you know the day that god's given me you know where i'm not having a heart transplant and i'm not worried about dying or it's not on my radar like it was for you like how do I make that mindset shift? Um, right. I just would be so interested to hear like what you would tell the people around you. So here's a couple of tricks that I have. Um, I so post transplant, you have to have a bunch of tests, right? I have a, I've had a, ten biopsies, heart biopsies, um, blood work every week, kind of thing. And instead of saying like, oh, I have to go in for my biopsy. I remember going in for my like third or fourth biopsy and being like, the doctor was like, how are you doing? How are you holding up? And I was like, Hey, I'm so excited to be on this end of it. Right. So instead of saying I have to, I say I get to. Right. Um, cause I don't think you can say I'm so grateful for my life and not be okay with the things that are going to happen that aren't going to be great. Right. I'm grateful for my life and I'm grateful for all the beautiful things I'm going to see and experience and all the fun times. I'm also grateful for the stuff that maybe isn't the best because I'm, I'm here to experience it. Um, right. I mean, you, I don't think you can say I'm so grateful for all of this, but I just hate this other half of it. I, I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, cause there are so many people waiting on a list who would love to be at the third or fourth biopsy. I get to be right. I can be. And how lucky am I for that? And I mean, if you look at like, I, at least if you Google it, it there's only about 2,000 heart transplants in the United States a year, and there's 4,000 globally. Um, so it's wow. really not that many. Um, so the fact that I get to be on this side. So, like, you know, is life hard? Do we all have something going on, whether it's a heart transplant or not? Yes. Life is a disaster and chaos probably 85% of the time. Does that mean you can't love your life? because of that i would hope not right because like i don't know i'm just I, i've been able to like because of the immune suppression and not being able to be around um a lot of people without a mask on my kids are living elsewhere but i get to like see them a lot we like make plans to go to the movies or like watch a movie at home or i cook them dinner um and it is just like there is such joy and like those simple things that I know that six years ago, I'd be like, Oh, I have to make dinner for everybody. Now I'm like, I'm so freaking happy. I get to make dinner for everybody. Right. I mean, like, because you don't know, you like literally don't know what could happen the next day. And it's just like, why am I going to waste my time being so worried or just angry that things have happened in my life this way? 
it feels like a complete waste of time and a beautiful time. You know what what blows me away? I like I hear as you as you talk, you you said you're on day bonus day two twenty five. And like mm-hmm. I'd be really curious for for everybody that's listening, but I'm thinking more, I guess, about myself here, to be honest. I actually remember 225 days ago because of you. I remember I do, I genuinely remember that the moment of me and my wife having this conversation where I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is happening and like prepare your heart because I'm gonna be a hot mess if something happens to Allison. But I don't remember, uh, that's not completely true, of course, but I don't remember the other 224 days. And it, and it makes me feel like you do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's something like really special about that. I, I know I told this story the last time we chatted um, in our last interview, but we, you and I kind of got close during COVID uh, because suddenly the whole world was locked down and, and like virtual calls like this became much more normal. And so for me to have a close friend in Pennsylvania, wasn't, it wasn't strained anymore. Actually, if anything, it was almost easier. And, um, and I remember us being on a group call, a Fujifilm call, um, where everyone was asking questions like, okay, well, what are you all doing? Like everybody's contracts are, we're all ripped up. We're all, you know, nobody's making any money. And me being the like young, cocky, white dude on the team, I was like, well, I have all of these things in play, right? Like we're like, we're doing trainings, we're doing workshops, we've got mentor things going, presets, I don't know, all this stuff. And you just so quietly said this directly to me in front of all of our peers, but you said, I think you just need to give yourself some grace. And it hit then, but it's pretty remarkable to me what, what years of that posture of like just giving yourself some grace has turned into for you. So like, here you are now, we haven't even talked about the fact that you've got your camera back in your hands, but here you are now having lived this, this tough life over the last few years. And you've just given continually said like, nope, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of pick this posture of like giving myself some, some grace to not have perfect days every day and to, you know, and whatever. That, I think that, especially considering that we are typically hosting a podcast filled with type A, assertive go-getters that are like, you know, here's how to win in the 2024 market, right? And mm-hmm. mm, maybe we all just need a little bit more grace. Yes, I'd like to lobby for that. <laughs> I think <Yes>. that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think that, um, you know, it's so easy to be your own worst enemy and don't get me wrong. I've certainly haven't mastered it. Um, but going from like, go, 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 go to suddenly being like, yeah, you can't get up and get out of your chair (laughs) without help. So you need to like chill out. Um, and being okay with that and also being okay with setting goals. And like, I would set intentions of the day that were very simple, like wash your face, take a shower, put real clothes on, make yourself breakfast, like light a candle. Um, because it was, it would help me just go through the motions of the day. And then it kind of builds. And then you're like, okay, well today you're going to walk a little bit and today you're going to do this. And, um, it, you know, it's not saying, Oh, Allison, you need to write the next best selling novel with this time off. And like, it's because none of that matters. It, at the end of our lives, is it really going to matter about the cash grab or taking the best photo in the world or no, 
because my best memories with my mom are the most simple things driving in the car, looking over at her, seeing like the window down and seeing her smile over something or sharing a meal with my, like my best friends in the world or, you know, very simple, not pretentious, not fancy moments are the ones that really just like mean the most. And like, I'm never going to lose that perspective. And my husband and I have learned so much. We had, we've had so many conversations about like the empathy we have now and, um, and not that we didn't before, but it is just a totally different, totally different like world of, of understanding how fleeting it is, what's actually important and um, how beautiful the very mundane things are. Right. Like uh, my days look a lot alike. I take medications at specific times. I do blood work every Tuesdays. I, you know, check in with the team. I make myself breakfast. I, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know, like it's so good. It's like, I can't believe I get to do these things. Um, yeah, I know that maybe that sounds craziness, but, uh, is that like a, is that like a stark difference from what it, your lifestyle was like before, as far as like your pace? Yeah. Like a go, go, go. I was definitely go, 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 um, which is amazing because I actually saw a picture of my old heart. Miles, did you see the picture of my old heart? Did I ever send that to you? Mm, you, I, I you would remember if you were like, oh, yeah, I've seen a picture of Alice's heart. So. Just, no. Uh, do, are you interested? Because I'll text <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, that text. yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah, I'm texting the group right now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get a live reaction of all of us dry heaving on the. Okay, cool. <laughs> There's no blood. Oh, okay, the good. Is, that's the problem. Told, that was the problem. There was no blood. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And like, that's the thing. Like you're told that your heart is failing and then to physically see it is like a whole other world. It's just, mm. it's the most crazy thing. All right. So talk amongst yourselves as I look for this photo. Okay. I'm giggling to myself <laughs> because I'm, re- I'm realizing these, these two things are not the same. But when I, uh, when I had my appendix out and I was uh, like mm. a dating, no, dating my girlfriend... <laughs> who is now my wife, she Uh wouldn't even see it. She thought it was so disgusting. And so here I am. I'm about to look at live on the air. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What is that? So, okay. So you're looking at a picture. And if you zoom in on the one that is like my whole heart before they cut it and dissected it, you can see the defibrillator wire that's in the upper right-hand corner. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's the wrong color completely. So, But then when you look at it and they've sliced it, where's the blood? Now, you have to remember five years previous to this, photo they went in and they shaved down the septum of my heart to make more room for my blood this is my heart shaved down Mm. and there's still no room for blood well okay yeah i want you guys to imagine roast beef right now (laughs) roast beef would be a good one because this looks like slices of roast beef (laughs) and i'm not sure how to describe your heart but i'm immediately regretting the turkey sandwich that i had for lunch (laughs) this is something else you guys at all? I think that You're my, done. No, I think that my donor was a vegetarian. After seeing this, I may not yeah. eat meat either. It's true. It, it could be the combination of that or that my donor was a vegetarian. I don't wow. know. I've had, um, I met this couple. I, um, I didn't meet. I shot a wedding recently and there was a couple that I shot their wedding a couple, I don't know, 10 years ago. And they were like, oh my gosh, we heard about your heart transplant. Um, our cousin had a heart transplant when she was four and, um, and I was like, oh, wow, how is she doing? And she's doing great. And they were like, yeah, she like 
came out of surgery as a four-year-old and all she wanted was ketchup on everything, just covered all of her food and ketchup, which was so unusual for her. And a few years down the road, she ended up meeting the family of a little boy whose heart she got. And do you know what his favorite food was? Weird. Ketchup. Weird. Wow. It's real. That's not just in the movies, man. That's real. Yeah. Wow. So, I don't know. I feel like my, my guy was a vegetarian because I just can't do it. I'm just really so. grateful for him. And his vegetarian ways. He might be my favorite vegetarian. I'll say that on the... On the actually, you might be my favorite new veg. I don't know. Oh, I named okay. him Elliot because I, I don't know his name. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wear a necklace with an E on it. And okay. my, I have a ring that has an E on it too. And wow. um, so I maybe someday find out his real name. So cool. So. Okay. Yeah. Let me, so let me put blinders back on us for a hot second because yep. I literally I could, I could just small talk <laughs> us for the rest of the day. I, I really could. <laughs> But you just mentioned a second ago that you just shot you shot a, wed- a wedding recently. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it blows my mind. A year a year ago, you, you tears in your eyes at that coffee shop, and you're like, I don't I don't know if I'll ever do this again. Right. And here right. you are a year later. Literally, you look like a different human. You mm-hmm. you have a different human's heart and you're beating in your body, but you're back to your like your passions. Um, yeah, I don't I, know if I've sure. ever met a wedding photographer that is quite as passionate about it as you you as you are really so like what is that like for you yeah so i've shot 10 weddings post transplant i've ten, elliot and i have shot 10 weddings together um i always went at it because i because i got into photography because my mom died and i felt i saw the power of photography i've always carried that this is a totally different way of seeing things now um and i just look at it in a completely different way um like at the last wedding we just shot on saturday there was a moment where everybody like the band was broke for a second and the videographers left the room and like everyone was eating dinner and because i don't eat i didn't care so i was just like hanging around watching and i was sitting um, in a space where I wasn't like hanging over everybody. It was a small room, only 55 people. Um, I was sitting on these steps with the door open, watching, like kind of hiding, um, just making sure. And I see the bride and groom walk over to the elderly grandparents. And I'm like, okay. Now I would always shoot this moment, but I'm like, I like get up, walk over quietly to not be disturbing. And I got some of the, my most favorite, most powerful images just because they shared like at one point they were just like organically these beautiful moments are happening or holding their grandparents' hands. They're like forehead to forehead. There's like, you know, you can just tell. And it was just this, you know, I don't know. I, I just think there was just this like unfoldingness that's happening that I'm just like, it was always happening. I'm sure. But the way that I'm seeing it and capturing it is just different. And I don't know if that makes sense, but I just, and I just, I don't know. I'm totally rambling, but like, I just feel like, I just see things differently. I watch the mm. parents' dances and I imagine myself, if my children decide to get married, dancing with them. Like, it's just this whole other level of what we do as wedding photographers is so important. And I know that, like, could sound really crazy because, like, not everybody looks at it that way. Um, but once someone is gone, they're gone. Mm. And all you have are your memories. And if you happen to have a photo to go with that, tell me what's better. I dare you. What's better than that? I don't think there's anything better than that because like every photo I have of my mother is like, 
the most amazing thing that I own. And um, mm. I remember we cleaned out my dad's house because he has dementia and I threw away 99.9% of everything in his house. Hopefully he's not listening to this, but I, I kept the photos because mm. we all can look at a photo and be like, oh, I remember feeling this way or, you know, like, mm. and if the photo takes you back and does remind you of what you're laughing at or crying about or feeling, then that's, I mean, that's how powerful photography is. Mm. So I'm 10 weddings in post transplant. Um, and I feel like I've changed in a more powerful way mm, for the better. Wow. Yeah. I, I want that for Jared and I, and I'm serious. Like I don't, don't speak to everybody here. Just tell us how do we like, how do we get that? Right. Or, or do I mean, you genuinely think you just have to go through something like what you just have gone through to learn those lessons? I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's, there's lessons to be learned when you go through things. And, um, obviously I can't speak for everybody, but I mean, like we've all had experience. I don't know. I mean, I know more about Miles than I do Jared, but I'm, I'm sure you both have been through things, right? Mm-hmm. Hard things because there's just no way that any life doesn't have hard life. things. Life. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, it's really just, it's, it's allowing yourself to really look at whatever that was that you went through and, okay, what was the most important thing to me? Um, and, you know, for me, it's just like, I crave and want to be around my, my family and my friends. And I want to give my clients that same gift that they would have. And maybe they're not going to understand what they have. And there's like pictures they might not even like look at, right? Like I was deliver these images and you're like, I bet like 50% of them, they're not even going to like really think about until something happens until someone dies until there's a diagnosis or a change, a life change. And then you look and then you're like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I have that photo that I never even saw before. Right. Does that make sense? Mm. So if you look at it that way, and also um, I heard this, this um, father of the bride give this toast a couple weeks ago and he was like, be where your feet are. Mm. And I love that so much. Right. Like don't, so if you're like at a wedding and you're working, and of course we're all like, wait, how long are we working until? Or like, you know, like, oh, what do I have to do tomorrow? Or I have all these edits I need to be doing. Like you got to shut that down. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing, but it's like, be where your feet are. Because like right now in this room with everybody who's in this room, it's never going to be in this room again. There's going to be like, what experience is ever going to happen like this again? Um, mm. Whether you're working it, whether you're a guest, whether you're the couple, whether whatever, it's not happening again. So if you go into it, like the once in a lifetime thing, like no more, we'd like as if wedding photographers need added pressure. But if you think about just that idea and the, how powerful that is for um, each and every one of us, um, mm. I, I guess that would be my advice. So mm. that's, that makes- that's, I mean, that's, that's great advice. I mean, I think for anybody listening who is going through a season right now, I think this is so encouraging to know that like, in the season of hard, like you're, we're going to come out of this and something is forming in our hearts. I think for me, like any kind of season that I've gone through, I've come out with like a different empathy for those who are now going through it. I'm just thinking about for you, like, wow, like what perspective that only you could have for those who may be going through a heart transplant or some kind of, 
you know, traumatizing experience like that, um, I just think you have a special empathy now that you could not have, you know, before. And that's, that's what I've experienced as well. And that's super special. I think you have to know that it is, it's a gift that needs to be used and you're using it right now for the, you know, hundreds of people that'll listen to this. Um, so thank you for doing that. Life is short. And what's important at the very end of it, I think, is what should be the priority for the middle mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. I guess there's two ways to think about that, too, because it's like life is short. I want to like, I want to do as much as I can and go to these places. Blah, 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 blah. But like you're actually saying life is short. Slow down. Right. Exactly. Just like Ferris Bueller. Right. Like Ferris Bueller. Like if you <laughs> don't look around once in a while, like it's just going to pass you by. Like, and we, my husband and I have changed. Like now, like it would, we live about an hour outside of Philadelphia. So we would normally like go into work, come right back home. Like mm-hmm. the other day he was like, Hey, I know you have an engagement shoot. Um, I booked us a, a restaurant, a vegan restaurant. So I'm super excited. Elliot and I are thrilled and um, <laughs> that you really wanted to go to. We're going to go do that and then we'll go shoot. And it's like, Oh, right. Like I get to live too. It's not just about work and like coming home. Like, you know what I mean? Just like changing that little bits and like, mm-hmm. how great is that? You know, and we have this bucket list that we've been working on and, um, full of crazy, wild things, but also just like, you know, we want to go to all the major league baseball stadiums just for fun. And, you know, we want to walk a 5k. I mean, like, you know, there's things like go to Italy, but there's also things like, let's just walk a 5k in our neighborhood. That'd be cool. (laughs) Mm. You know, like just do the things, do the things that make you happy because like, you just don't know how life is going to change. I think it's so, um, it's so special to hear you say this stuff because I mean, I've mentioned, and and I was being sarcastic, of course, about some of our other guests, not crass. We have some pretty amazing humans that have been on here, but, but in general, you, even in a room filled with, with colleagues and peers and people that we both, you know, love and respect and, and, um, you know, we've, we've shared those rooms a a couple of times now. You just, pre-surgery, you, you, you've always been the contrast. Um, I don't know if I've ever taken the time to tell you that, but you have, you've, you've always, I think there's a reason why I've always sort of gravitated over to your side of the room. And, and because I, I'm sort of drawn to just that depth of, of, you know, I don't, I want, I want to carry the newest and flashiest. I want to say the right things and to have the successful career, but I want friendships that really matter. And, um, and so it's so powerful, I think, for, for the industry at large to be able to have this perspective to say like, hey, Allison's not, I, I promise you guys that are listening to this, Allison's not the only one. There's a lot, there's a whole lot of people in this industry that, that do this job because they believe in it and they love it and they believe in the power of it. And that doesn't mean that they don't make a, a great living doing it, but it, that's not what's driving it. And if anything, you know, your success and your notoriety, um, I think it's just a testament to you kind of hanging in that lane for long enough for other people to wake up and see, you know, I don't see you ever being the person that's going to like swing to the next best contract. It's kind of like, well, you, you found your people. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty flattered to be in that, in that community with you. I like being your people. Yeah, I um, You're the best. I'm not the best, but I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the best. Okay. Okay. So as we kind of wrap this up, 
Um, yeah, I, a couple of quick things. If you if you've made it this far into the episode and you haven't listened to the first episode with Allison, go down in the show notes and do it. And the reason I say that is because so much of what we've talked about today, it needs context. You just you've got to understand um, the background here. But I didn't want to have a three hour long episode where we relived it all, we rehashed it all. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Allison cries in that one as well. Yes. Um, I think I cried. Allison cries a lot, yes. In that one, too. <laughs> you didn't want to make me feel alone. You wanted to cry, no, too. I appreciate I that. Was, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was feeling sensitive that day. Um, <laughs> but as we kind of wrap this up, I, I, I want you to give, if you don't mind, I want you to give people just sort of like a, give us the elevator pitch in a very tall building um, about your philosophy towards towards being a photographer as it stands right now in 2023. Um, taking uh, f- two multiple lives now worth of, of experiences and career moves and successes and undoubtedly plenty of failures and mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff in you. And tell us why this stuff matters. And then leave us with something that that we can that we can chew on and and take into the next episode okay right right no pressure no pressure yeah. no oh my gosh i mean i think it's 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 a combination of everything i've been saying right like when when i talk to potential clients um and they ask me to describe myself i mean like i or my work and my style it's i'm always just like i want you to look at your photos and remember exactly what you were feeling and i also want you to look at your photos and know what your family and your friends were feeling like it needs to be something that you are going to show and be proud of five years down the road 15 years down the road 30 years down the road i'm not in it to give you something that's totally in right now because it won't make sense in 10 years when you look at it and they'll be like oh you got married during the instagram filter phase great um (laughs) you want it to be classic and timeless um but also meaningful. And um, I'm also terrible at pitches, but that's sort of where I come from. It's like, this okay. From this perspective of like, let's remember exactly what we're doing here. Um, Mm. It's not a photo shoot. It's your wedding day. And it's something that you're going to share with your family and potentially children and, um, you know, decades down the road that will tell your story as to who you are and and all of those things. And that's where I want to, that's where I want my photos to um, be gifts for you. And also, I usually don't say this, but like I know what it's like to lose someone that you love most in the entire world. And and all you have left when it's over are going to be the memories and the photos. So take all the photos. Take all the photos. Um, and I think that is my biggest, that's what drives me is just because like I want everybody to experience that um, and have that. So in so many words, that's what drives me to do it. Um, and that's why I think it's so important and it's not about the latest trends and fads and all of those things and what's popular right now and what's in style. It's just truly about the story. Um, and what can I leave you with? I don't know. Be an organ donor. You never know whose life you're yeah, going to save. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can sign up to be an organ. One person can save like eight lives. Um, you mm. can't take them with you. So uh, sign up and be an organ donor because it's just, I am forever grateful. 
and uh, my family is forever grateful. Allison, what what's next for you? Like, how how can we support you? Like, you have oh. like a benchmark that you're working towards in the coming months. Like, what's next? Yeah, that's a great question. I you know I dream of um, so I've been documenting my own story, right? Of this, I would love to put it together somehow. I also would love to tell other transplant and donor family stories. Mm. Um, Come so. On. Right. Like, I feel like that would just be because, cool. Yeah. I mean, cause, um, I just think there's, I mean, and because that is, is the gut wrenching story from all sides and beautiful story. And I just think that could be really powerful. So I'm working towards that. I think that's my next, wow. um, move. I'm all about people and celebrating all of the things, all of the good and all of the bad, not bad, but struggle. Mm-hmm. And, um, Everybody just wants to be seen, right? That's what I say on my Fujifilm video. And I just think that that is just the absolute truth. And so I think I would love to do something like that. What it looks like. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, yeah, that's what I'm working on. How do we follow you? What's the best way? Is it Instagram or what? Yeah, probably Instagram. Um, It's at Allison Conklin. And there's one L in Allison. And it's, yeah, Mm A-L-I-S-O-N-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. Awesome. Love it. Allison, thank you for your time today. Oh it gosh, really, I think you. you're going you're to encourage a lot of people. It's going to be really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. At least two. At least two. I know yeah. both of us are walking out of here feeling, feeling yeah. all warm and fuzzy. I can't wait to go hug my kids. Oh, yes. I know. You're going to make me cry again. So I'm going to think about Mother's Day and it was this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> for sure. Sorry. I'm going to stop. Cut the feed, talking. Jared, before we all start <laughs> crying again. <laughs> shut this down. Jared, we shut done. it down. <laughs> Thank you.